Get ready for Crack the Customer Code, your audio guidebook for creating incredible customer journeys. So, Jenny, it's important for you to know that this episode goes to 11. <laughs> T- you tell can't me, resist a Spinal Tap reference. I cannot ever resist a <laughs> Spinal Tap reference. <laughs> crack the Customer Code and Puppet Show. <laughs> Or show and crack the customer code. Exactly. Well, we have an actual rock star, our good buddy, James Dodkins, on the show today. And it was fun. James is uh, just a great customer experience, uh, thought leader, influencer. Uh, He puts out great content, but he also rocks. So, you know, James and I talk music once in a while. Uh, Dude's awesome. He is actually a real rock star and he involves that in his, uh, you know, in his keynotes and his speaking. And one of the things I like that we talked about today, though, is something I've always been a big fan of, and I know you are too, is this idea of, uh, he talked a lot about proactive experience recovery. Mm-hmm. Yep. And how we need to basically make sure that things don't happen <laughs> right. instead of responding to the things that, you know, mess up the customer experience. And I think that's a better place to be is in a world yeah, where sure. <laughs> we're proactive. Where things don't happen, yes. Uh, you know, one of the things we always uh, we talk a lot about forward resolving, right? Which is this uh, it's, uh, this idea of if you know you have problem A and you know prob- a lot of people that have problem A have problem B, don't get off mm-hmm. the phone, right? We talk about this in our customer service training, for- forward resolving, getting a- understanding that. Uh, and since James takes it a little more broader about really looking at uh, you know the idea of being proactive in the in the larger journey, and I think there's a lot mm-hmm. he shares a lot of wisdom there for us to get into. Yes, for sure. So let me tell you about James. James used to be an actual, real-life, legitimate, award-winning rock star. He played guitar in a heavy metal band, released albums, and tore up stages all over the world. James uses this unique experience to energize, empower, and inspire his clients and their teams as a customer experience rock star. Not only is he an international keynote speaker, number one best-selling author and host of Amazon Prime's This Week in CX, James is also the UK's number one customer experience influencer. James, I wish I had a guitar to like welcome you. <laughs> well, I, I didn't think of that, but now I wish you did too. <laughs> now, I'm not the guitar player. Adam is. So I know. I actually would not but, have been but I wish you had a guitar to welcome him because that would be yeah. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're glad you're here. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Excited. Yeah, welcome, James. Uh, let's jump right in because I want to. I'm all about proactivity, so I want to know what proactive experience recovery is. So, proactive experience recovery is the business practice of fixing problems for customers before they even know that they've happened by putting things right that would maybe turn into complaints before the customer has a chance to complain. In short, it's about fixing the experience in the experience. So I I love that answer. And I think in an ideal world, we would all want to be this proactive with customer experience, but there are challenges around that, right? Because... Mm. Many leaders think they understand the customer experience, but in reality, they don't. They are too far away. They think that their internal processes are created, so they must be working well, (laughs) and they're not really connecting the dots. So what's the best way to identify those moments where we need that sort of lens to be that proactive? Well, the thing is, we probably have already got that data. So it's going to be 
the areas and experiences that cause the highest dissatisfaction. So the areas of an experience that have got the lowest NPS scores, even though I'm not a massive fan of NPS scores, but it is still an indicator. Um, ones with lowest uh, CSAT scores, the ones with the highest complaints attached to them, the ones with the highest negative sentiment online attached to them. So those moments within the experience that are already causing dissatisfaction that as a business you probably should already either know that or have the data to allow you to know that mm-hmm. so what's an example so let's take you know we're we're looking through our data we're sifting through our nps our csat whatever metrics we have in sentiment analysis and we find our hot spots right we find our pressure points those touch points how do you approach the proactive, uh, addressing things proactively? You know, what's just uh, an example so people can sort of sink their teeth into it? Well, there is a four-step framework. I'll give you that, but then I'll give you an actual example of how it can be used in real life. So the four-step framework is identify, monitor, communicate, compensate. So the first step is, as we just spoke about, identify the things in your experiences that cause dissatisfaction. So then once you've identified them, you have to monitor the experience in the experience to notice when they happen in real time. Then once you have noticed something has happened, immediately communicate to the customer to let them know that you know something has gone wrong and then compensate. And it doesn't always have to be compensation in the way that we would traditionally think of it. Sometimes just putting the the thing right can be enough. But I'll tell you this. It goes a long way when a company offers some sort of compensation, whether it be monetary, whether it be a discount off of a future thing, whether it's just something. It goes a long way when a company offers that without the customer having to ask. The moment the customer has to ask, it kind of loses all meaning. So identify, monitor, communicate, compensate. So an example is, so I guess you guys have flown before, am I correct? (laughs) <laughs> once or a thousand times yeah cool. back in the olden times yes yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pre-COVID. but um when you fly what is one of the things that annoys you the most about flying things that cause co- something that causes dissatisfaction for you as a customer and probably every customer ever on a flight i hate when they don't communicate and when we're sitting and not moving and nobody's saying what's going on i cool. hate that so there you go delays being delayed, mm-hmm. sat there, you're delayed, you don't know what's going on, you don't know if you're going to be one minute, you don't know if you're going to be one hour, you don't know if you're going to be 10 hours. So <laughs> yep. let, let's take delays. Now, what usually happens is you get delayed, you get on your plane finally, you take your journey, you get off the other side, and then you get a text. And you look at that text, and it says, on a scale of one to 10, how likely are you? <laughs> and you're like, guys, you know, I've had a bad experience. You know, you were delayed by three hours and you've, you've got the guts to then ask me whether I'm going to recommend <laughs> you. What that text should say is we know we were delayed by three hours. We know that sucks. And we're, we apologize. It was because of a storm in Chicago or something. Mm-hmm. Here's how we're going to put always it Chicago. Right. then they'll say look here's how we're going to put it right here is a voucher code for 20 percent off of of your next flight with us or Mm -hmm. here is a code to get you into our platinum lounge next time you fly with us or here is something to say sorry so very easy they already monitor their their flight um delays so the company knows when they're delayed how hard would it be 
to just trigger some sort of workflow. It, this could all be automated where they say, okay, we're just going to send everyone on the flight a text, giving them 10% off their next flight with us apologizing. How how much, imagine that, if that happened to you, how differently would you feel mm-hmm. about that? No, uh, you, that's a great, uh, I'll, I'll jump in here, Jeannie, because that's a yeah. great example, because Jeannie and I actually have an example of an airline doing something similar. It wasn't about a delay. So, you know, they did a couple of things, right? It was Southwest, and first thing was they honored my request, and they seated us separately, so that was perfect. <laughs> and then... After that, uh, the Wi-Fi didn't work. So I don't remember where this was years ago. Gene and I were flying mm-hmm. somewhere. The Wi-Fi didn't work. And even though it took them a while now, to your point, James, it should have happened you know, right after we got off the plane or within a few hours or something like that. It did come a few days later once they realized it. But uh, they said, hey, your Wi-Fi didn't work. And they sent us a little voucher for like a free Wi-Fi for the next flight or whatever. And to your point, it was proactive, right? I didn't we didn't ask for it. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they were on mm-hmm. top of it. And that, I think that's what you're talking about, right? Yeah. The, the thing is, apparently, according to statistics, which are always correct, <laughs> exactly. of dissatisfied customers will actually complain. So for every four complaints you get, there was there's another 96 customers that had the, the same dissatisfaction, but just didn't take that step to complain. Because not everybody complains. Not everybody is a complainer. If you're only fixing problems for that 4% that complain, you are missing a massive opportunity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Amen. And, <laughs> you know, one of the things you talk about is this idea of, I, I mean, we all, we all have our own definitions here around customer experience, but what do you define as the idea of the true definition of what customer experience is? Well, it's, it's a good question and it depends do we mean, and this, this is the thing, do we mean customer experience as a discipline, customer experience as a function? Are we talking about a customer experience? The one that always gets my back up is the definition of what a customer experience is. And mm-hmm. people will say, well, a customer experience is the sum of the thoughts, feelings, and interactions a customer has with your company. And we could, we'll all sit there and go, well, yeah, that makes sense. But that's wrong. That is the least customer-centric way to describe what a customer experience is. That's company-centric. We need to understand, as a company, that there are things happening before and after the customer's interactions with us. The things going on in the customer's world are not just the interactions with us. The only reason a customer interacts with the company is to help them achieve a goal or an outcome in some way. You know, we, we don't for example, buy insurance because we want insurance. Mm-hmm. We buy insurance because we need security. There's a there's an overarching goal or outcome that the customer is trying to achieve. And in order to achieve that thing, they're not just interacting with you. They're interacting with many different companies, many different products and services. So in my head, I think if you were to actually take a customer lens and define what a customer experience is, It's the sum of the thoughts, feelings, and interactions a customer has with and about different products and services on the journey towards achieving a goal or an outcome. That's the customer's experience. We're just a small part of a bigger picture. We aren't the canvas. We're just a brushstroke on that canvas. And once you start to look at what a customer experience is in that way, you see there are many different players, there are many different roles that are being fulfilled by other companies. And you can either work to fulfill those needs for yourself 
expand what you're doing as a company, or you can collaborate with those other companies to make the total experience, the overall experience better for that customer. Sometimes collaboration is just as good as innovation. But in order to do that, you need to take that step back, realize that you are not the be all and end all. You are not the only thing that matters to the customer. Yes, the customer is interacting with you. And yes, arguably, you have the most control over those interactions. But it doesn't mean those other interactions with other companies don't happen. And it doesn't mean that they aren't part of that customer's experience. I think I'm done. I totally, I totally agree. Of a monologue about. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and you know what that made me think of, and this is something we've actually talked on this show about before, is how you know when you're when you're flying. Going back to that experience, you're not just dealing with that one airline, right? You have to go through the airport. You have to deal with here in the United States the TSA, all those things, Mm -hmm. and some of the airports have started recognizing that the customer experience, they have more control than they kind of admitted in the past. And yeah. their job is to help the customer throughout that entire journey, even if that means addressing those questions of, you know, where can I find the bagel shop or things like that? Or um, the bagel shop didn't refund my money. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> you know, like all those things, because it's an ecosystem. Yeah. It's not about the one brand. It's about that ecosystem. So I'll have to uh, and, refresh and for, my memory on which episode and put that in the show notes. And for the record, Janie, it's near uh, gate A18 in Hartsfield. <laughs> I know that. I know this by heart. Nice. Nice. <laughs> so, I knew saying. I could count on you. <laughs> so, what, so, you know, I like that uh, sort of twisting the lens a little bit there, James. Uh, how do you use that, I don't know, refreshed lens or that di- different perspective? How do you use that functionally other than you know, sort of what you've already said? Are there other ways you use that in your trainings and um, in your in your work to reorient uh, companies about how to look at experience? Yeah, so it's it's relatively simple. Once you've been red-pilled, so to speak, and you <laughs> see it in a different light, there's only really two steps you've got to take. The first one is understanding what that goal or outcome is for the customer. That's the first step. Okay, a customer is interacting with us. Well, what is the outcome? What is their successful outcome? What are they trying to achieve that's bigger than us? What's their overarching goal? Then when you, once you understand what that is, you can map their journey from start to finish of the achievement of that goal, which will involve interactions with other companies. So you're, you're looking where the experience really starts for the customer because their experience doesn't start with their first interaction with you and it doesn't end with the last one. It starts a long time before and ends a long time afterwards. And so they're just the two things you can do. Understand what their goal is, their overarching outcome, and then map the journey from the real start to the real finish. Nice. So, well, you know, and that shift in lens is about understanding the customer's perspective and what they want, right? Their goals. But let's face it, we're talking about companies and they have their own goals. So one of the things I know you talk about is ROXI, return on experience investment. So uh, how do we square that circle? How do you measure return on experience investment? Again, it's quite simple. There's a lot of people that try and make it very complicated and they try and tie you know, NPS scores to historical research that show that if your NPS rises by seven points, that could correlate to a 1% increase in retention, which is lovely. But 
it's difficult to sell. That's a hard sell in a business to say, hey, look, here's some research that was done five years ago by some people in a different industry that you've never heard of that say, if I improve my MPS score, you're going to get more money. Whereas what executives really care about is the bottom line. And there are four areas that really affect the bottom line. So when I'm talking to people about this, my suggestion is every single customer experience improvement or transformation that you do, link it back to these four areas. That is customer acquisition, customer retention, customer wallet share, and cost, cost to serve. So acquisition, if we do this thing or from doing this thing, are we going to get more customers or did we get more customers? From doing this thing, will they stay with us for longer? If we do this thing, will they spend more of their money with us? And if we do this thing, will it cost us less to operate this experience? Will it cost us less to serve them? And they are the four areas that matter. They are the, they're linked to money. And at the end of the day, whether we like it or not, we may want the executives to care about our MPS score. We may want the executives to care about our pretty personas that we've made. We may want our executives to shed a tear of joy over looking at our beautiful <laughs> customer journey maps. But the thing that they you know, ultimately have to care about the most is the bottom line. And if we can't show that we are positively impacting the bottom line, we're not doing our job right. I mean, Forrester have recently predicted that 25% of customer experience professionals will lose their jobs within the next year because they cannot demonstrate positive business impact. Now, I don't, I don't want that to be the case in the customer experience community. I want us to be able to be our own cheerleaders, show that the work we're doing on a daily basis is actually it makes financial sense to focus on customer experience. It's not just a nice to have. It's not just going to make people smile. It's not all that soft and fluffy stuff. It actually will affect the bottom line. It will put zeros on your bottom line. And we need to show that. We can't just expect executives to believe that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so, so important. And I think people are starting to get that we need to talk about it and be very proactive about it now. And that Forrester prediction was certainly one of the things that I think people really started waking up about. And that yeah. was that was pre-COVID, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so James, this was great. So how can our listeners learn more about you, reach out to you, connect? What are, what are the best ways for them to do that? So uh, LinkedIn is probably the best. Um, I post loads of free video content about customer experience improvement, about customer centricity, loads of new ideas, loads of fun things as well, trying to talk about ideas through the lens of music which is quite interesting so linkedin <laughs> is a great place for that but i'm also on twitter i'm also on instagram i've got a tiktok as well have you guys got a tip oh, fun uh, <laughs> yeah not, I, not I signed up but i haven't done anything i'm i just watch <laughs> when i signed up it was like one of those alcohol sites in reverse that said i was too old oh <laughs> <laughs> The, um, in all seriousness, I just post the same content there as I do everywhere else. So nice. you're not going to get anything mm -hmm. special from that. Um, but if you want to check out me or my musical keynotes, which once, I don't know, like there's a vaccine or herd immunity, I can go out and do again. <laughs> go to jamesdodkins.com and you can read about Rules for Rockstars, which is my musical customer experience keynote. Excellent. Yeah. Well, nice. thank you so much for being here, James. We really appreciate it. I really appreciate me being here too. Thank you. Uh, that was awesome, James. Thanks. Jeannie, what is the ROI of my customer experience investment? 
<laughs> can you tell me so I can know whether I want to invest in it or not? <laughs> well, are you asking to invest in this customer experience? <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, everyone who does what we do for a living just jumped off, jumped off of something. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it's a, I, I thought that was great how he broke it down from ROI to return on experience investment. I think that's a really important distinction and something that hopefully everybody can walk away and really think about with their own programs because it's so, so important. And customer experience leaders get beat up over this stuff. So it's really great to have different ways of thinking about this, different formulas to attack it with and make sure that we are providing that return on the the ultimately important investment of customer experience. Yeah, in my humble opinion. No, 100%. <laughs> I mean, it's it good. You know, it, it's such a tough thing, right? It's mm -hmm. just such a challenge across the board. It's the biggest, in some ways, the biggest challenge in all of customer experience. So I think it's, uh, I like James's lens on it. And I think it's mm -hmm. a, it could be a very useful lens for uh, people to have. So yeah, it was great uh, hearing that. And, you know, Jeannie, I think we rock. Well, I think we rock too. But you know who I think rock more? I'm going to say our listeners. Our listeners. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Crack the Customer Code. We are a proud member of C-Suite Radio, so be sure to check out all the great business content at csuiteradio.com and csuitetv.com. I'm Jeannie Walters. You can learn more about me and our journey mapping programs, lots of our content, webinars, etc., and our training and speaking at experienceinvestigators.com. And I'm Adam Pork. You can find me, all of our customer service training, customer experience advisory, and other helpful things at customersatstick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>